is a show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world, the matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic. The Rundown is a weekly news show. But it's more than that. It's a family of like-minded Catholics who are preparing for the coming chastisement. We cover church news, politics, and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving you the perspective no one else can. The Rundown is not meant for children because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch The Rundown to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith today. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com This is The Rundown, the most watched, least trusted Catholic disinfo hour there is. Fauci is out, so are student loans. Well, unless you actually paid for yours first. Tough luck. Shia LaBeouf trolls Bishop Barron. Skynet is self-aware. CNN keeps firing people. And Facebook admits to becoming just, well, a stooge of the FBI. And so much the globalists take the life of your children? It's very likely. If you're Dutch, ask yourself, why? I have a message for birds. Stop flying. If you dare, I'll splash you with icy and salty slush as I drive by in my Ford Bronco SUV. Existing is pain, don't you think? Gamers are rising up as they should. The planet will descend into chaos. This will devastate Australia. Emergency! We have to make everyone poorer now. I should have all the money. Critics of my view will say, we, if we make the poor poorer, life will be more difficult and less rewarding. This would be good. How do we know? Delusional thinking. Did you watch the better call Saul finale? That was something. Here is the confession. I killed 40 hookers in May of this year alone. Really? really have to do this dad stand now more than ever you need to understand the importance of saving money but grandma said i could use this money to buy whatever i want okay next please go on stanley i got a hundred dollar check from my grandma and my dad said i need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years well that's fantastic a really smart decision young man we can put that check in a money market mutual fund then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest and it's gone Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have a hundred dollars. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Well, well, what can I do to get back I'm my- I'm sorry, sir, but this line is for bank members only. I just opened an account. Do you have any money invested with this bank? No, you just lost it all. Then please stand aside for people who actually have money with us. Next, please. Hey! Hello, Mrs. Farnickel. How are you today? Making a deposit, are we? Great. We can just put that into your retirement account and make it go to work for you, and it's gone. What? Sorry, yeah, that's gone. Please step aside for people who actually have money with the bank. Next, please. Dad! Hey, I'm trying to teach my son the importance of savings. You already lost his money? 
Oh, Mr. Marsh, d don't worry. We can just transfer money from your account into a portfolio with your son. And it's gone! This line is for people who have money with the bank only. Please step aside. Yes, there have been corrupt empires. Yes, they manipulate. Yes, there are secret societies. Yes, there have been oligarchies throughout history. And yes, today, in 2002, there is a tyrannical organization calling itself the New World Order, pushing for worldwide government, a cashless society, open borders, total and complete tyranny, where human beings are absolutely worthless. There's six and a quarter plus billion of us, and the globalists have said it many times. There's too many of us. We're causing a problem. Uh, we need to be culled at the tune of 80%. It's amazing to talk about that, but it's the globalists, the UN, their own public statements, and they've convinced a lot of liberals and elitist conservatives and others uh, that by going along with this, that we're intelligent members of society. It's the ultimate Malthus world view. It is... Uh, this radical, virulent form uh, of social Darwinism. It's the excuse of tyrants. And by creating open borders where there's no national sovereignty and only global bodies that control all the resources, by centralizing and socializing health care, the state becomes God, basically, when it comes to your health. And then by releasing diseases and viruses and plagues upon us, we then basically get shoved into their system. By releasing viruses, by releasing, by releasing, by releasing, by releasing, by releasing viruses, 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 viruses. This is synod on synodality of <laughs> Notice the age group. Okay, this is the rundown. I can't believe we just did that to you. I'm sorry. You people, you didn't get any cat this week. I was I it's another catless week, but I think it was worth it. We we, we had a proper we had a proper <laughs> all right, all right. Wait, look, here. All right, you want more cat? Look at this drama queen. And no, it's not Michael Voris. Something wrong with your paw, Susan. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong with your palsy. No. Oh, oh, it's very sore, isn't it? Look at look at that. And then, and then it's, it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> the Ferndale version would have a butt sore of some kind. All right, so uh, guys, we are talking about so many things. First of all, Paul Pelosi was under arrest not too long ago. The arrest footage is actually out on that. Here's him trying to get out of it. Yeah, you can grab onto my shoulder. So feet together, arms on your sides. You're going to look up at the sky, and then you're going to close your eyes, and then I'm going to say it again. And then I want you to injure yourself. Would you be willing to do the breathalyzer test? And I, I wouldn't want you to fall over and hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Are you sure you could complete the test? Okay. Because I really don't want you to fall over and hurt yourself. That's the last thing I'll Right, but, but that, that defeats the, the whole purpose of the test, grabbing onto a tow car. So I'm requesting that you take a, uh, a breathalyzer test. Um, it's not a, it's a, it's a voluntary test, but so, so none of the tests are pass or fail. Are you willing to do the breathalyzer test? So at wow. one point, uh, Paul Pelosi, uh, the wife of Nancy, he's now sentenced to five days of solitary confinement with Nancy. It's terrible. Uh, I, don't, I don't wish that upon my worst enemies. But he pulls out this. Uh, he's like, hey, I'm a member of the CHP Foundation, the California Highway Patrol Association. It's a $10,000 buy-in and you get this special thing. Uh, lots of Californians would know what I'm talking about. It's supposed to be your get out of a speeding ticket free thing because you're like, hey, I gave to the to the fallen family of, of CHP officers, Ryan. But uh, but it, it doesn't actually get you out of a, of a DWI when you can't even walk without holding onto the patrol car. No, it doesn't. Um, but being the husband of a powerful congresswoman, um, why she's so powerful, I don't know. But, uh, you know, who knows what, why the Prince of Darkness backs whom he does. So it, that being so, yeah, if it's, it's who you know, really, when it gets down to it. I mean, you, you have two, two tiers of justice in American society. If that was you or I, um, we would be have been in a jail cell for if that night. We would have had the book thrown at us, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his sentence, his sentence, uh, Matt Gaspers from Catholic Family News joining us, filling in for James. Our diversity quota is not really being helped by you, Matt. Sorry, no offense. But I am very worried. Our ESG score went down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But if you had to choose between five days being under house arrest with Nancy Pelosi or five days in a federal penitentiary, which one would you choose? I think there would be dangers in both situations, different kinds, I suppose. <laughs> My question, so I just I decided to pull up her uh, website and just see how long has this woman been in Congress? It says for 35 years, Speaker Pelosi has represented San Francisco, California's 12th district. What is wrong with you people? She's why do you keep why do you keep reelecting this woman? You know, there, there, are, there are a lot of rumors that Pelosi is not going to run. And as a result of that, uh, Brother Martin, the the field is totally wide open and people are already posturing to fill her seat because. It's going to be a wide open race if and when uh, Winebox doesn't run for re-election. Um, chances that any of those people I are hear staying, that term can get you sued. Be careful about that. You got to be careful with it, you know. <laughs> but when you call a public figure who posts about drinking wine all the time, it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Congress always redraws the lines of, of districts to get the people they want elected elected. That we know. Um, how did they steal the election in, in 2020? They've they've done it before in, in, in smaller areas and smaller smaller places, so that they knew exactly what they had to do um, on a larger scale if it ever had had to be done. And so, I mean, Nancy Pelosi might not run, but someone else younger and of the same mind, another uh, AOC, but from San Francisco, uh, might take the seat. So I don't I don't expect. I mean, I don't. I really don't expect San Francisco's 
her, her district to, to flip to conservative in, in, in any way. I mean, that city's kind of far gone. Um, it's kind of the devil's, um, I mean, the devil's work, so, so to speak, San Francisco named after St. Francis of Assisi, who was, uh, you know, very, very chaste, had stories about him, you know, throwing himself into a thorn bush or into the snow rather, um, rather than commit a sin of chastity. And then here you have San Francisco just completely, well, the opposite. Speaking of San Francisco, really close to Silicon Valley, and we keep being told that, you know what, there's there's private industry, Ryan, and there's public uh, there's there's public sector, and those two there's a bright line between those two, and there's rarely, if ever, any you know minor cooperation between these two things. Cut to uh, the the cyborg known as Mark Zuckerberg on the uh, uh, one of the big podcast. I think it was, it was on, Joe Rogan. It was Rogan. It was Rogan. Yeah, it was Rogan. Where he's actually he's like, yeah, you know, I've got the, the video. I want to put it up. Here it is. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New yeah, York we Post. Had that too. Yeah. So you guys censored that as well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have. Um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it, you could still consume it, so when you um, say the distribution has decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issues. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censor I just want to know, first of all, are these third-party fact-checker jobs, like, are they hiring for conservatives or... No, anyway. Ryan, uh, thoughts on the daylight between FedBook and the Federal Investigation Bureau? Uh, surprise, surprise. It's one of those things I was talking about even 10 years ago. It was all <laughs> Shut up, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh, you are, you are Alex Jones. Well, uh, here we are. I, I've, I've called it FedBook for at least eight to 10 years and I got off there completely. I think my profile's still there, but I, I don't do anything with it hardly. Um, and I'm probably going to purge everything pretty soon. I'm thinking, but the F, I mean, the FBI links to Facebook and the, the, the CIA. I, let's just get down to brass tacks. I, I think I might have said it before, but uh, DARPA, I don't know if anyone knows what that means. I'm sure there's a bunch of people in our chats. We have a good chat. 
um, <clears throat> well-learned groups in the chat, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And they came up with this thing called LifeLog back in early 2000s. And the purpose of LifeLog was it was in, in its test phase was to see if they could determine whether they could manipulate people's worldviews based on only showing them select amounts of information, uh, forbidding certain types of information in their different test groups. And then, of course, their control group where people have you know access to information altogether. And they never actually published the results of the study with LifeLog, but it came under criticism. And people review a lot of DARPA projects saying, hey, uh, if we do that, then, you know, if you do that, you're going to have, you know, what about privacy concerns? What are you telling people how to think? So they close the project. Uh, about a week later, the Facebook, as it was called at that time, opened up with uh, starting money from a company called InQtel. If anyone knows what InQtel is, that is the for-profit uh, venture arm of the CIA. So... <laughs> This is not, then that's, that's just about 2005, 2006 when all that happened or whenever Facebook was started. Um, that uh, at the time, MySpace was the big thing, right? And then it quickly disappears. Who's ever even heard of that now? So that that's the, the history of these links. So it's not surprising you have the FBI coming in. Uh, oh, by the way, just a reminder, Mr. Uh, Zuckerberg, you could never actually be in the position you're in unless we wanted you here. Um, we want you to do this for us. And so the same thing with uh, Alex Berenson on Twitter. He was talking about how the, the, the Department of Justice basically came down on Twitter and said, we want you to stop Alex Berenson from posting on his uh, uh, unspecified virus of unspecified origins posting and the jab and such. So Berenson was banned on Twitter. He sued them and uh, he was able to show he didn't break any rules. And so then that's how all that came out under discovery was unsealed. So, I mean, the, the link between the government and the social media companies is obvious and it's going to increase. Like we were all celebrating when uh, the Mary Poppins ministry of truth lady, right? Was it all that got <laughs> cut down? It's still going, it's still doing that job. It's just not this official department with an official face anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still happening. It didn't go away. And if you disagree with the liberal orthodoxy, Matt Gasper's Catholic family news, they will deplatform you, and it can happen like lightning. But when they go to cancel you, ladies and gentlemen, it comes hard and fast. You lose your Facebook, then your Instagram, then your Gmail, then your Discord, then your website hosting, then your domain name, like then your payment processor, then your bank. Then like it's just like in real time, you're watching your phone and apps just exploding. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. Uh, we we have a mutual friend who I won't name his name now, but all, all four of us have a mutual friend who literally just had a bank account closed for no reason other than he was spending time with someone who is already canceled and his bank closed his bank account the next day. Wow. Honestly, the only time that I've ever had an issue on Twitter is regarding the LGBT LMNOP stuff calling out our, um, what is, I forget her, his actually, I should say, uh, title, but what is it? Undersecretary uh, Rachel, uh, you know, actual name Richard Levine. Oh, uh, little that, Dick. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We talk about Dick Levine all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's he, the only time had, I've he, ever. He had a bar mitzvah when he was 12 years old. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. <laughs> that's the only time that I've been, been in violation on Twitter that I can, I think, uh, might have been one other time, but that's the the main one was that. And it, what's weird is that it happened like months after the fact. So I don't know why they 
cared. And it's not like I got a whole bunch of attention for it, but uh, I would imagine they're pretty hypersensitive to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, but look, uh, the the tools of the state, uh, the cancel tools of the state, Brother Martin, will be employed upon people who's hold unacceptable opinions. It's not just going to happen up in Canada. It's going to happen in these United States as well. And it's already happening. Um, and, you know, the, the question is whether or not people are actually willing to take a stand and whether or not they're actually willing to say, I'm willing to be canceled over the truth or, um, or uh, as I like to say, and have said on this show many times, use the excuse that they're being prudential, which is really just a smokescreen for cowardice. Right. And I think a lot of us actually take the position that, you know, when we look at the mainstream media and see how they're all kind of in the middle, um, kind of whitewashing the truth. Sometimes we just immediately assume sometimes they're doing that out of, because that's their own desire. They, they just don't want to give us the truth that they're brainwashed something of the sort. But what's interesting about uh, the social media with Twitter and with Facebook is we're seeing actually government organizations threatening them, intimidating them uh, to suppress the truth, to suppress certain things. And if, if the government could do that to social media, they can do that to the mainstream media as well. So we have to also keep that in the back of their mind that the governments are, are constantly uh, – they're, well, they're monitoring the media. They're, they don't want the First Amendment or, or, any, or any of them for that matter. They, want, they don't want the amendments uh, that were – place there to limit the government the government wants to be as big as possible um obviously but as, as far as people being canceled i mean and and, and here and here's and here's a difficulty especially with a lot of us conservatives conservatives is that we don't typically stand together we just don't um in america at least we're very much uh well liberals by nature and that means individual rights individual responsibility nothing really collective um, that doesn't need to be collective. And if it needs to be collective, we have to have a lot of time thinking about whether or not it really, really needs to be collective or whether that person just needs to handle it on their own. Um, and so when one person, one family is being intimidated by this big government, a lot of us just sit back and watch and let them suffer and say, oh, well, that was just one family. They're not coming after everybody. And then they come after somebody else. And they're like, oh, that's just another family. It's not everybody. And we it's one after one after one after one until it comes to us and then there's no one left to stand with us and uh, we, we we've mentioned before in the rundown how there was an amish farmer who was told that he can't he can't sell meat anymore uh, just because he grows it i guess organically so to speak um and we're just all kind of sitting back watching and it's just a news story that we're all just kind of whispering around to each other maybe uh, but none of us actually taking def defense of his property defense of his rights actually seriously um, so that's kind of, in one sense, it's kind of telling, I think we're all going to die one by one <laughs> yeah, because, uh, it's just, it's just part of American liberalism, which is seeped into conservatism in this, in this country, um, to just let everybody be on their own. The same, uh, we like to talk about state governments as well on the, on the program. And while we're talking about California, they have banned, uh, starting in 2035, any petroleum based, uh, engines for cars you have to uh roll up to one of these charging stations which i'm sure most californians would be really comfortable doing that's where i'm charging my car ryan but you know Yikes. what macron says you got to just get used to it because it's time the time of abundance is in the rearview mirror it's over 
What we are living through is a time of great upheaval. Firstly, because we are witnessing, and not just since this summer, but over the past few years, the end of what we might have seen as abundance. It's the end of abundance, Ryan. You're going to have to charge on, 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 on Skid Row. Right. Not, not the end of abundance for him and the other elites in the ruling class. Uh, they're, they're, of course, going to continue to have abundance, but they will continue to forbid the ability for us to, because I mean, technology exists right now where we could have abundance, actually, frankly. Uh, if you got most of what uh, our corrupt modern governments do out of the way, all right, you know, but uh, they're, they're purposely, you know, demolishing all the supply lines they forced everyone to be on that we could frankly have innovated and made 10 times better. And it's only, that process is only going to continue. There's no necessarily, there's no natural reason for anything that's happening right now, except the, it's a planned demolition. As surely as uh, building seven was planned demolished. <laughs> so uh, back in, uh, you know, when, so, and, and it goes through those phases and it, now they're on that hard road leading to, you know, 2035, you just saw Mark Carney, Bank of International Settlements, right? What He's got a whole financial alliance that they're putting together because, oh, the governments aren't acting fast enough. And what's going to happen? If your ESG score is too low, if you have oil and, fo- and coal and fossil fuels in your portfolio, uh, you will be shut out of this financial alliance that Mark yep. Carney is setting up. That means you won't be able to get credit as, as uh you know, invest your accounts will be shut down. You won't be able to make investments for your clients. You won't be able to, if you have any fossil fuels in your portfolio. And meanwhile, go to all these uh, nice green things, which most of which don't work. Solar is the only one that, that in, in a limited capacity can, and it's still not there to support everyone. So it, and, and of course, this California bit too, it's, everyone's like, oh, it's 2035. It's a whale's wild away. 2025, 34% of all cars have to be electric. Um, by 2030, it's like 68%, 2035, 100%. So it, it is going to come in incrementally. And then they're like, well, if you can't afford it, we've got vouchers. And then what did the electric car companies do? They're like, oh, yeah, they increase the price about the amount of that voucher, surprise. Um, so it, it's basically, I mean, you will not be allowed to own a car. And then it'll be, oh, well, how about ride sharing? Why don't you guys all share your cars together? It's a big thing. Uh, TED Talks were talking about that. You got your Tesla in the garage. Yo, you're going to be home for a while. So your Tesla will just dry, start up and drive somewhere else and take someone somewhere else or something like that. So that's that's kind of the, again, you're getting closer to the you will own nothing future. And you'll what do you think we need to do? Oh, we need a revolution. Yeah, and we need it no, now. Not, not later. Now. Unless. i think grandma's right Uh, but matt pick up on the on the car thing i mean why is this so difficult for liberals to understand that a the middle class cannot afford a seventy thousand dollar electric vehicle b you're plugging into a coal plant so you're still polluting the heck out of the environment unless california is going 100 percent nuclear what is their freaking plan for the epa yeah, actually, in our uh, news roundup yesterday for Catholic Family News, uh, my uh, colleague Brian McCall actually brought up that very point that, you know, he was talking, he recounted a story where he was talking with somebody and they were trying to convince him that electric vehicles were the way to go to, you know, save the planet or whatever. And Brian said, well, where do you think the energy comes from that powers those vehicles? They have batteries. 
um, they're not solar. Where do you think that energy comes from? And the, the person had sincerely never considered that. It's kind of like, I think a lot of people nowadays, especially in big cities, they think that food comes from the grocery store. <laughs> they don't, they have no concept of that. It's grown somewhere in the world and shipped there. Um, someone has to do the work of farming that it doesn't just, just magically appear in the grocery stores. Uh, so yeah, we got so many problems. Um, and then there's the whole, you know, Chris Ferrara gave an excellent talk a few years ago at a Fatima Center conference before the all the COVID stuff, kind of exposing, as he does brilliantly with his uh, his lawyerly skills, the farce of the whole climate change agenda. I think that might still be available on the Fatima Center YouTube uh, channel. If you just type in Chris Ferrara, Fatima Center climate change, it'll probably come up. It's an excellent talk. He goes into all the details, kind of laying out in a legal brief uh, debunking a lot of stuff. So it's a very frightening agenda. We, ha we had, um, Stephanie, now I can't think of her name, but she wrote an excellent article for it. She's married now. So she has a different last name that I can't recall, but it was on climate change stuff. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, here we go. So her maiden name was, uh, Stephanie Nichols or Nicholas, excuse me. And I can't think of her married name. But the article on Catholic Family News website is called Climate Apocalypse Now, question mark, climate change hysteria and the eco counter church. So you can go check out that article. It's got some good info. I just want to ask you before I bring it over to Brother Martin, are, are you guilty of ecological sins, i.e. have you used a plastic straw post 2018? I have. I have. And I have wow. not been to confession for that. Wow, you are you're living on the edge. You're living you're a man living on the edge. <sighs> Having lived in Florida, real quick, hold on about this straw thing. Having lived in Florida, I have to say all I found in Florida was paper straws. And I'm just throwing that out there. Paper oh, <laughs> you're but you're you're just like a DeSantis guy. And I can see why when he says stuff like this. Sometimes people ask me. Oh, man, how come Florida, 84,000 jobs, the rest of the country, you know, what, what could be done to help the rest of the country? And I say, well, you know, the saying that I always think back, and it's a little bit of a flourish on how it's been used previously, uh, but a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose yours. A recovery is when Dr. Fauci loses his. <laughs> that appears to be happening, and Fauci is on an apology tour right now. He's announced his resignation, Brother Martin. I, I will get back to you. But here he is on the news talking about how, well, he wasn't exactly wrong about COVID. It's going because we've been fooled before. We didn't fully appreciate the magnitude of HIV back in the early 80s when I first got involved, when the first cases were recognized. And there were so many things we learned on the run with COVID. I mean, the things that we thought we knew in the beginning turned out as the months went by to not be the case, which really forced us to adapt and to change some of our policies and recommendations. That was interpreted by many as flip-flopping or not really knowing what's going on when it really was the evolution of the science. So one of the lessons that I hope we learn is that we've got to be prepared, we've got to be able to respond, but we've also got to be flexible. You know, some of our military colleagues have told us it's kind of like when you're... 
It's kind of like when you're okay, okay, great. Uh, Brother Martin, science evolves just like dogma. Everything evolves and we have to respond and we just have to be in the moment. And, and it's really, it's all, it's imminentism. It is. And it, it really is somewhat of a cop out because as you know, as everybody here watching is known as if they watched this back in 2020, we were calling the same things. We were calling the things that now they're having to admit. And it was all just through common sense. And there's no apology. There's always some sort of a justification in, in trying to justify it. the evolution of the sciences, you know, buzzwords, uh, because to this crowd, evolution is an acceptable term, although it's 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 stupid. Um, and science is this word that, you, oh, you can never go against the science, the science. Um, but of course, I mean, as you related to, to theology, um, they're, they're, they're doing the exact same thing except with theological terms and oh there could be an evolution of of understanding of certain dogmas that were uh things that actually flip-flop mean, mean the exact opposite and just like the capital punishment is is uh, inadmissible so to speak whatever that that word means um as if it applies to every country in every situation um it doesn't is it is it a practical is it, is it dogmatic what is it um so yeah it's just kind of the it's the modus operandi of the modernist today of those uh applying modern philosophy uh and as you say Immanentism or subjectivity, uh, that knowledge begins in the nowhere as opposed to from objective reality, um, and, and, and going from there. It, it's the complete, it's the Copernicus revolution of knowledge, and it's wrong. All right, since we're on you, brother, I'll just give you this one. I, with, with Trump in the news right now, the affidavit came out today, heavily redacted. We don't exactly get to know what was found. Uh, we don't know what the FBI was looking for. But, you know, we're told by Zuckerberg that the FBI is a legitimate institution in, in these United States. DeSantis is really struggling to stay to, to keep pace uh, with Trump, the new martyr. Um, now that he's his home has been raided and Trump is, is, is back where he was and is expected to run again. But when you say stuff like this, I feel like it's I probably am going to support you and i'm just sick of seeing him i know he says he's going to retire someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the potomac is this not just trying to out trump trump <laughs> brother martin you first yes <laughs> yes and, he and, is but and, will he succeed at it i don't know what you think gaspers oh i don't i think if trump announces that he's going to run for 2024 I think it would be very difficult to to get the nomination for anybody else. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. But it would be his to lose, certainly, uh, assuming free and fair elections, Ryan. Which, of course, you know, we don't right. make that assumption on this show. But what do you do? You think that DeSantis will sort of like run, but then drop out and endorse Trump and then be the VP? I don't know if he'll take a role as the VP, but certainly if he runs and Trump is in there, I think it's pretty much uh, because of the strange almost, and I'm not trying to mock anyone, especially in our audience that happens to like Trump or think Trump's okay, but you know what I'm talking about. There is this kind of cult following that Trump has and uh, almost religious fervor that Trump gets when he goes somewhere. And, and this is, I, I think that will, reveal itself again if Trump runs in the primaries. And so DeSantis, I think, will run to do a showing. And I think he's smart enough to know that if Trump is absolutely committed, that it, it's going to be massively divisive and not particularly helpful to really push a serious run. And in fact, it'll be better for him 
I think, just to get his ducks in a row, just speaking objectively, uh, what would be the smartest move would be get get his ducks in a row for a run next time around. Mm-hmm. If there's a next time around, who knows? But um, again, <laughs> so optimistic. Over here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, big news this week, ladies and gentlemen. If you paid off your student loans, you're a moron, just like I am, because I paid off my student loans and my wife's student loans as well. When you ask the president of the United States, fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden, what he thinks about us idiots that went ahead and paid off our student loans, here's his answer. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact... uh do not own multi-billion dollar businesses. They, they see what these guys give them all a tax break. Is that fair? What do you think? What about people who paid their loans, though, struggle to pay their loans, and now others don't have to? Well, that's what he thinks of you, uh, all of you who have paid your loans or are making payments on your loans or who for some reason don't qualify for this extra $10,000 in Biden bucks uh, just before the election. That's weird. Convenient timing, right? Wasn't what they speaking of Biden bucks, wasn't one of the Democrats in the primary, didn't they talk about Yao? Was it uh I don't think it was Yao, but some one of the one of them was talking about bucks, like a what was it, like a base a monthly uh base monthly income or something? Yeah, UBI, basically. universal yeah, yeah, income, yeah. yeah. yeah that was that him. Just, that was the yeah, that was the Asian guy in New York City. New yeah. York City. <sighs> I just don't, I don't know what to do with this. Okay, look, let's talk about the student loans like kind of objectively. Let's all four go around the room. Uh, let me just kick it off by saying I, I like the idea of having a jubilee. I like the idea of debt forgiveness. I, I like the idea that human beings were not created by God to labor underneath the yoke of debt for their entire lives. Debt is slavery. Debt is in chains. But if we're going to start a jubilee, Ryan, like can't we start it with, I don't know, small business loans or home loans, like something that's actually productive, not not sociology degrees and women's studies degrees. Yeah, precisely. And the whole notion of the Jubilee in the Old Testament was that the people who actually you owed money to would forgive that, that they would be willing to forego that. Right. And this is something that because this is what God has more or less laid out for the functioning of this one people, the people Israel. So you're going to forgive the debts of of people for this great celebration. You're going to forgive their debts. You're going to, you know, release slaves out of bondage. You're going to, you know, so on and so forth. Right. And then that was that was the notion of it. So if you're going to apply something like that today, um, you want to really cancel debts. Well, let's start at the the top levels. Let's have the bankers be willing to say, okay, we'll write these things off and and, and call it good. But they're not willing to do that. They demand it. And this student loan payoff that Biden's pushing through is really nothing more than another veiled banker bailout, right? And you look at it, it's taxpayer funded. So it's it's basically the US government is going to take our tax dollars and pay off the loan's uh, for people who are in a very affluent demographic um, that, that are you know, part of families that make a good deal of money already, that, that's a lot. The money is mostly going upward, not downward. They're not actually going to forgive very many debts for people who are uh, struggling with a lot of kids and had, you know, went to college and have $60,000 in debt and maybe they make Thirty-five to forty thousand a year. They're not going to see a penny from the student loan forgiveness based on the bill that what what the executive order is that these put forward. 
Um, and apart from there's constitutional questions about that anyway, but, you know, like they care about that. So really, when you get down to it, it it's a bailout. And if someone else is going to pay for it. So, you know, unless it's the type of thing where you where the people who hold the debts themselves are willing to write it off, you're always just robbing Peter to pay Paul. And that's why that system, as we are right now, just just doesn't work. Now, let's talk about the beneficiary of this, too, because the the true beneficiary of this program is really not the ten thousand dollar person who gets who gets the Biden bucks and says, "Oh, hey, my student debt went from thirty thousand Matt Gaspers down to twenty thousand." The true beneficiary are the inflating by seven percent a year for the last fifty years institutions of higher learning, so called uh, these these uh, these indoctrination camps that are allowed to charge whatever the heck they want to because they know that they're still going to get paid um, either by the government or by the taxpayers or by, you know, by, by ultra high net worth families. So to Ryan's point, Matt, a real Jubilee would be that the universities and the colleges are the ones that take the hit on this debt forgiveness. Right. Especially when considering that so many uh, young people who graduate with a bachelor's degree these days can't even find a decent job. Uh, so so there I mean, yeah, we as parents, especially we've got to make sure that we're um, explaining to our children that, you know, higher education is a wonderful thing, but it's not uh, it's not for everybody. It's not necessarily necessary for you. It's important to have skills, you know, whether it be trade school or whatever. If you really need to go to university to, to especially for a, a young man to provide for his family or something, that's one thing. But um, I think college, in many ways, has just become an extension of high school to a lot of of young adults. Uh, it's really not what it's meant to be, obviously, for mm-hmm. in multiple ways. One of the commenters in the chat, Brother Martin, kind of makes the point that I, you know. It's not really a defeatist point um, that White Wolf makes, but it is. It's more of a realist point. It's like, look, we're we're talking about monopoly money anyway, so who cares? It's all fake. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, why why, why do go. we care? Why do we care about ten thousand dollars? <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. Um, I agree with, especially with what Ryan said. It has to be the the universities that ultimately take the hit, but they're of course are not willing to take the hit. Um, but was also, I think. Important to understand, too, is, I mean, I come from an immigrant family. And, of course, when immigrants uh, come to the United States, uh, they, they want a better future for their for the next generations. And one of the way they try to ensure that the next generation gets better is education. So they always push on the younger generation. Education is the key to success. Education is the key to success. Education is the key to success. And so there are parents out there that really do um, push their kids to go to college. And not just to go to college, but go to the best university possible because the name of the university on the diploma it's them it just means so much it has this uh impractical uh, but symbolic meaning um to their families and their sacrifices and everything else mm-hmm. um what really need what we also need to also consider into the discussion is 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 the culture of education um because education means social status you know you get these rings that you put on your finger from yale or harvard and you just wear them around and it's like this is where you're you know it, it's it's you're, you're, it, it has something to do with presenting um, what you've accomplished and everything else, but it also comes with a price tag, and it's not just the price. Okay, <laughs> well, that isn't Yale or Harvard, is it? There, <laughs> no, Yale and Harvard don't have rings. It's little state schools in Texas that have rings. All right, there, okay, well, there you go. But, um, 
but more or less, it, it, it is. I mean, people, people always say, "Oh, I went to Cornell," or "I went to Southern Cal- SoCal," whatever else. You know, it's that there is a culture in the United States about going to 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 these schools, and these schools have football, they have basketball, we have March Madness, um, and all this all this sort of stuff, and it, it it's blown out of proportion. When I went to Italy, I lived in Italy for a year. I mean, my my college education was two thousand dollars a year, two thousand. That, that that was it. Um, if I went to a, a well, there was a Pontifical University. If I went to a Pontifical University here in the United States, which there's I think only two, it's over twenty thousand. Um, or at least if I went to seminary at, at the Catholic University of America, it'd be like forty. You know, so you you really do see this this drastic difference in price tags um, that universities do place uh, on education, and I think it's 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 in the United States it's completely blown out of proportion. But there's a culture behind it too. Well, and we actually kind of saw this, Ryan, I think you commented about this as well. With, with the first financial crisis in 2007, 2008, we really saw that's when that's when the bottom fell out in terms of the dilution of the value of a, of a college degree. It was already headed that way. It was becoming ubiquitous and everyone went to college. It, it no longer meant anything. High school was so dumbed down. Now college is dumbed down and is essentially a high school diploma from 50 years ago. But the the uh, super abundance of credentialed, degreed MBAs, PhDs, et cetera, in the financial crisis, said, okay, well, I lost my job. I'll just go back to school. And everybody did that. Mm-hmm. The schools were the beneficiary of that. The banks got bailed out to continue the student loan uh, money laundering scheme. And now everyone has all these credentials that realistically, not only do they mean nothing, but in my opinion, when I meet somebody who has like seven degrees and no life experience, I already know that I can't hire that person. I mean, you look at any, any field of, of society, right. And when you're talking about, like I have several friends who are lawyers and, and fairly good ones actually. And, you know, and they've, you know, discussed about a lot of the younger lawyers coming in and how incompetent they seem to be, their inability to argue cases, their inability to organize and put things together. Yet they got the degrees, they passed the par, but uh, this probably isn't where they should be. And and you go around to any field. I mean, when I graduated high school and I went to uh, to university, which in, in a real in a situation, I never would have gone to university. There would have been no point for me to go. Um, I'd be better put, you know, working, you know, being trained in some kind of trade or something like that. But nevertheless, I went and I got to pick up where 100 years ago, smarter people uh, were doing the kind of work that I do now. But th- there we are. But really, spe- really speaking, when I went to school and they said, oh, yeah, if you get a bachelor's degree, that'll cover everything. It was already a monstrous lie. And that was in the mm-hmm. 90s. Already it was a lie. And the people telling us that knew it, even if I didn't know it and my parents didn't know it, you know, they, they still firmly believe that, um, I got a bachelor's degree and they say, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. And I changed my major 50 times. I get out and I uh, can't find a job. What do you know? Um, you know, and, and that's only gotten worse and they still tell kids to do it. So the whole system we're seeing everywhere around, um, yeah, you've got the degrees, but it doesn't really mean you know what to do anything. And, and if you don't have life experience, you're not going to be able to really accomplish things. Just look at um, anything in writing, whether it's in literature or in Hollywood or if either writing, it goes into movies and things like that. You have why do modern movies suck so bad? 
And you've probably heard me, you know, expound at length about Star Trek. I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to do that, but modern Star Trek. <laughs> but any, any modern genre, whether it's superheroes, whether it's anything else you've seen, and not even just the woke. The woke is one part of it, but it's the fact that they, oh, you got all these writers, and the worst thing that's ever happened to them is they got misgendered sometime. And <laughs> that's about it. They have no relevant life experience. The people created famous works of art or entertainment or what have you that we still remember when we were younger. Well, guess what? They went, they fought wars, they they built businesses, they lost businesses, they went into writing on some you know thing. And so they had real life experience. When you have an older show and they write on something that deals with something in a military structure, it it tracks, it seems to work because they actually understood something about that world. Today it falls flat, it looks stupid because they don't understand anything about it. They have no relevant life experience to bear into it. And of course, as as your culture your art and culture, I think, is a sign of where everything else is going, frankly. Hmm. You know who has relevant life experience? Your Spanish grandmother. Your Spanish grandmother has relevant life experience. Look at how base this Spanish grandmother is. I wish you were mine. Because he had tenido España 40 años de paz. Evitó que entrase el comunismo en España cuando mandó la división azul a luchar con el con el eh, con el Führer. O sea, el nazismo también uh, le parece una buena el ideología. Nazismo, el nazismo estamos equivocados porque vamos a ver, el eh, Hitler lo que quería era que podían vivir los judíos, pero no mezclarse para no quitar la raza. Y es justamente lo que está pasando ahora aquí. La raza europea se está mezclando con otras razas y entonces va a ser nuestra destrucción, pero de toda Europa. Destrucción de... de la raza. De la raza. O sea, de... vamos a acabar destruidos. ¿Qué piensa sobre la comunidad LGTBI? De la LGTBI lo están haciendo para destrozar la familia. Totalmente de acuerdo. I totally agree with this lady. Now, listen, to be fair, I don't agree with everything that she said, but she's pro-Franco, and that's good enough for me. Uh, we need a little bit more of that. We need people who are willing to go on camera and just say what they think about things. Right? I mean, brother, Martin? Bring bad Fred Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, my goodness. If there's one guy who said what he thought, that was him. But um, he's meanie poo-poo head, and if you're friends with him, then you might be a meanie poo-poo head, too. We have to write meanie poo-poo head articles there, about you with there our has, stupid... There has to be some it. sort of form of internet where it's not like the, the dark web or whatever else, but there has to be just like an exclusive guys club where we all understand each other's humor or whatever else. It's um, amazing to me. As soon as you bring up Trad Patrick, Ryan starts taking hits on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's like, I can't deal with this right I've now. Actually, I, I have met Trad Patrick in real life, and I would very much love to see him make a comeback, but he's in a good spot right now. I don't think he wants to. No, no, no. He's living his life, his real life, uh, free of uh, Saigon Karen. Guys, this is major news. Shia LaBeouf is one of the great Hollywood actors, and he's converted to the Catholic faith after doing a, a, a movie, which hasn't come out yet, in which he plays St. Padre Pio. And not only has he converted to the Catholic faith, he's become 
a traditionalist. And not only has he become a traditionalist, but he just said this to Bishop Beefcake. Almost from the office, activate the audience without putting the agency on the priest. We have full conscious active participation. That's Which the, is where the, the singing and the back two. and forth comes right. from. Whereas old Latin mass put all the agency on the priest to be fully activated. And that at that activation of the priest was supposed to activate the audience, to activate the, the, uh, the, the laity, that all the agency was put on the priest. And so, and, and I don't want to get too far into this because then you get into controversy, but Latin mass affects me deeply, deeply. And, How and come? Because it feels like they're not selling me a car. Hmm. And when I go to some mass with the guitars and stuff, yeah. and I'm from, you know, Santa Inez, right? So that's where I was catechized. And there's a lot of guitar playing. And there's a lot of like what feels like um, like they're trying to sell me on an idea. Yeah. Whereas what I feel when I went to Oakland and went to like, um, and, and by the way, there's a very incredible version of that as well. That's super activating and very emotional that I've experienced up there with Father Bobby. There's also, and Father Peter, but there's also this something that happened, you know, Christ the King in Oakland does a Latin mass every day of the week. And it feels like it's, it's not being done to sell me on anything. Mm-hmm. And it feels almost like, like I'm being let in on something very special. And the quiet, uh, um, the, 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 it, it, it activates something in me where it feels like I found something. It's a little bit like a band. Mm-hmm. When a band is pushed on you. Uh, it's a little bit like a band. All right. Let's. Let's all four of us maybe weigh in on this. Let's start with Matt Gasper's Catholic Family News joining us, filling in for James. Shia LaBeouf, uh, top talent, Hollywood, converted, Latin Mass, tells Bishop Beefcake, I like the Latin Mass because you're not selling me a car. Yes, and actually, uh, for those who have watched the full interview, the, the context in which he says what he did was Bishop Barron was asking him, you know, what is it about uh, um, you know, if you're, if you're watching a really compelling film or a really good live performance or something, what is it that, uh, what is it about that that stirs you so deeply? You know, he was trying to draw it into the, like the acting field. And that's when Shia said what he did. Um, the, and basically I sum it up on my Twitter feed that the, essentially what Shia is saying is that the new mass tries to quote, activate the public in an artificial way. That's his description, Shia's description of the new mass, whereas he's essentially describing the traditional Latin mass as just naturally drawing souls into the sacred mystery. And when I first heard the clip, the first thing that came to mind is that, wow, this this guy has obviously had a serious, you know, real conversion experience, first of all. But second of all, He's basically recognizing what Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger wrote, you know, decades ago in his preface to Monsignor Klaus Gamber's book, The Reform of the Roman Liturgy in the French edition, that the new mass is, quote, a fabrication, a banal on the spot product. That's essentially what Shia is recognizing and articulating in his own way. Now, uh, not played on on that particular clip or not played on this show. Um, but Ryan Bishop turned on fire, then tries to twist what Shia is saying. He says, well, you know, and in a Latin mass, they were performance artists too. And that's why we had to have Vatican too. That's why we had <laughs> yeah. to change things because right. they were just performing for the crowd. They were performing for the crowd. Bishop beefcake. Come on, man. 
Yeah. No, it, it's completely absurd. I'm glad, Matt, you mentioned that because that comment about activating the priest, I really didn't get where he was going with that, but I'm glad you brought the context for that to clarify sure. it. Um, yeah, the theater stuff. Um, it's absurd. Oh, it does hit on something, but it's not performance art. Um, and really, if you're going to look at what is performance art, let's look at the Novus Ordo. Let's look at where the priest faces the people, um, which is unheard of in the Catholic tradition, except in, you know, the only place you see it is Protestantism. Because why? Why did Protestantism turn the altars around? Because it was a performance for the people, essentially. The notion of sacrifice was denuded from it. The purpose is to preach the word of God as they saw it and they understood it. And, and without the, what they called the blasphemous sacrifice of the mass and all this nonsense that they, they, they came up with, you're here to listen to them preach. And even the, uh, where like the Lutherans keep uh, a type of communion service and they even keep parts of the canon, you know, that the ones that uh, Luther wasn't terribly offended by and, and things of that sort. And, and they give it facing the people. And that itself is another act of preaching according to Luther. Right. And so the whole, the whole th action is geared to the faithful, to the people who are in, and that's why Protestants event pews, because you got to be sitting there, because <laughs> you can't stand forever, right? That's how all that stuff, you know, comes in. That's its point. And so when all this comes in the Novus Ordo, it's more or less via the agency of Lutheran and Anglican churches. That's where uh, you're seeing that come in. So it, the, the whole idea that the traditional Latin mass is some kind of performance art for the people, it's absurd. But it is a performance, not an empty one. It, it's a drama. It's part of the sacred drama. And there's one reason why you look at in, in the golden age of Hollywood, as it were, or even now there's so many Catholics in Hollywood, even the fallen away and apostatized and whatnot. But there's so many people that are Catholic that have gone into theater. And this goes back hundreds of years. Why? Because the, the mass and the sacraments and all of the ritual signs are all designed to express the drama of salvation, which God brings about starting in the Old, you know, in the Old Testament through the one people, uh, the Jews that he had gathered to himself. And then through the full revelation of Christ to the entire world, it's the drama of salvation that's unfolded throughout the ages. And the mass is that very sacred drama that's happening. And the priest takes his part within it and does what because he ceases to be him he ceases to be you know father belly bob up there with his microphone and singing whatever protestant hymns that they've sold the liturgy committee selected for him some other nonsense rainbow stoles rainbow whatever no it, it's it, the priest himself becomes that fullness of the character of his priesthood in persona christi christ offering the sacrifice of the mass to the father and that is the 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 drama of the mass and that's the thing that uh, at least Shea LaBeouf says that he's, you know, that, that it's moved him. And I hope, I do hope that's true. I'm always skeptical. when Hollywood I know. Comes, See, that I, thing, I want to believe it too. I, want, I it really to. want to believe it. I want to get behind this guy, but also this could be the flavor of the month and uh, Hollywood actors are, uh, are incredibly or it could be the result of the method acting too. Cause I mean, he's a method actor. He gets in, he just becomes that role. What's going to mm -hmm. happen when he stepped away from this film project long enough. Hopefully this is a true act of the Holy, Holy ghost that's moving him. And I, I pray it is. Brother Martin, uh, Max Beans, Massimili Fagioli on, on the Twitter, he's really ticked off about this. Uh, he says, quote, I'm truly happy that he has come back to the church. I just find it disconcerting that a bishop is not trying to correct his disparaging of the liturgy of the church. Uh, not my taste versus your taste, he says, as it has been celebrated by the church, all popes included, 
since Vatican II. You're not allowed to be a convert if you if you like the Institute of Christ the King. First of all, the the statement by Massimo Fagioli is false because Vatican II, Vatican II started with Pope John the Twenty Third, and Pope John the Twenty Third did not celebrate the Novus Ordo. It happened as a reform of Apollo VI. And so, if you're talking about popes of Vatican II, Massimo Fagioli will include John the Twenty Third as one of those popes, um, but he never celebrated the Novus Ordo. So that's not that's not true. Um, but actually, if if you watch the the interview with Shia LaBeouf, it's it's 121. Or no, it's an hour and 21 minutes long. So it's it's um, quite a commitment. Uh, I started watching it. I got about maybe 30. <laughs> well, unlike the rundown, which is often three hours long, it's not a commitment. It's, it's an <laughs> obligation. Disinfo hours. Well, when, when, when you have a drink, time goes fast. Anyway, are you hanging out also, with Also, we try to keep Bishop Beefcake down to 20 seconds or less out of the three hours. So it is less of a commitment. All right, go ahead. Sorry. We only got a beefcake because somebody didn't like us talking about beefcake. But anyway, <laughs> um, at the very beginning, actually, um, Shia says that he, he was comparing two different methods of acting. And the, the one called the method, he actually says he he abhors, he doesn't like. Right. Um, but, some, right. but something about going into this immersion of experiencing what um, his trying to get information about his role in living that life. He lived in the parking lot of the of a Franciscan monastery in, in California um, to, to try to get that experience. Um, but what I found it very interesting about his conversion was, and, and one reason why I think it's authentic, um, there was a lot of parallels even with my own story. But first, I also want to say this, is that in terms of our caution, yeah, we should always have caution. We're not canonizing a saint here. We're, we're simply looking at a person who was immersed in, well, uh, the entertainment industry. And a lot of people from, from the millennial generation, Generation Z, they're told that fame, fortune, uh, all these things is where happiness is. And to find someone who has, you know, been a pop star, who has been has starred in movies, has his name in lights, say that there's not enough. I'm not yet fulfilled. This is precisely the testimony. Hmm. It's to say that in the world, no matter how much money you make, no matter how, how famous your name is, that you're not yet that 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 desire for happiness in, inside you is not going to be fulfilled by all these things. That is precisely the testimony. So we're not lifting him up as 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 a, a canonized saint where we should imitate his virtues, all that kind of stuff. His testimony is precisely his conversion. Is, is stepping out. Is is saying actually he says in uh in, in the in the interview, uh, pain made me willing to go about life differently. So here's this person you know in Hollywood, experiencing pain. And most of us, when we think of happiness, especially you know kids growing up, when they think of happiness, they define it as painless, as as a life without suffering. Um, but here is is someone who is saying, you know, no matter how famous you get, no matter how many movies you make, you're still going to experience pain. You're still going to experience suffering and sorrow. Um, that's that's what I saw in the professional musicians that I was hanging around with when I was a professional musician in Nashville. Is that uh, your job didn't take away anything. Your your living living your dream job didn't take away anything. It, it almost served, served rather as a narcotic. To get away from the things, to, to numb you a little bit, yes, uh, from your from your actual life, and so it was it was just a mere escape, and so I think that's precisely the, the testimony of, of Shia LaBeouf is that he said, the world is not enough, for for our desire of happiness, and he goes on to explain actually, and this is kind of a, somewhat of a parallel to my own story is, is when I walked in from to a, a first traditional Novus Ordo mass I didn't know it was, and I heard Gregorian chant for the first time, 
it, it was enthralling. I literally stopped and 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 you know and gasped at the mm-hmm. at the at the mere beauty. I had never heard of Gregorian chant in my entire life, and I just sat there in wonder and said, "What is this?" Um, and then, of course, he ta- later on, Shia LaBeouf talks about uh, praying the rosary and the beads and connecting something spiritual with something physical. Um, when I knelt down um, that time for at, at the Sanctus, again, Gregorian chant, and I was just listening there enthralled, it was that and the ringing of the bells and the lifting up of the sacred host that finally made me get that that's him. That's who I've been looking for. He's there. And before, I, I mean, I, as a credo Catholic, I, I we were told we had to believe in the Eucharist, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't actually think that was that was God. But it was the the gestures with the bells, with the chant, and everything else that that finally made it click. And so Shia LaBeouf's uh, testimony, to me at least, seems something uh, something parallel um, that I myself walked precisely from. He, and he's coming from his own his own art. He's coming from his own art. He's he's from the very beginning of his interview. He's talking about well the methods, how he's acting, and and how that helped him to see the mass. You know, and of course, for me, it was music. I was a professional guitar player in Nashville playing um, for, for professional songwriters in Nashville with Sony ATV and, and other uh, rec- uh, songwriting companies and, and distributing companies. Um, we from both of us, from, from our own knowledge of our own specific, uh, specific art, we came to see the mass as, as it truly is. Um, so I think that's, that's something that's unique about uh, Shia's testimony um, is that First of all, I think it's authentic, and he's not a canonized saint. We're not canonized. I'm not canonizing him as a saint, um, but just giving le- legitimacy to to what he's trying to explain um, with again his limited theological vocabulary because he's still a newbie. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. Now, I for one think that Shia um, intentionally did what he did. I think that he <laughs> knew he wasn't going to get an interview with uh, Robert Barron, Bishop Pants on Fire if pants on fire knew that he was going to promote the traditional Latin mass and in fact, go out of his way to insult the bogus Ordo. Um, Mel Gibson. That's right. He's hanging with Mel Gibson. He says Mel is teaching him where the hidden masses are. I can only imagine what that might mean, but you know what, you know what, you know, who probably is really ticked off about it. This priest right here, who is, uh, I think the president or high ranking or a spokesperson of the Irish synod, the Vatican III is going on right now, ladies and gentlemen. The, the Third Vatican Council is underway, the Synod on Synodality. The report from the Irish Synod is already in, and this man who, uh, well, I don't know where his collar is, but he's really ticked off that a guy like Shia, Shia LaBeouf would prefer that a priest wear collar. Usually wouldn't be very happy about it, and usually the community would be disinterested in it. It wouldn't feel there were supporting them or whatever. So... It's very much the wind on, on the face of anybody now who's making a decision to become a priest is really running counter to the culture of the day. In terms of the young priests, I mean, part of the difficulty we have is that we have very few vocations to the priesthood. But part of the other difficulty we have is that the vocations we're getting are like the people, are like my parish priest in the 40s and the 50s at home. They're traditional. They want to wear black. They want to wear soutans. They want to talk to people about sin. They want the Latin mass, and they want to dress up investments, and they want to do all of this sort of thing, like people did 40, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. So I, I, I despair of the young priests. I'd prefer if we hadn't got them. So I, I, I despair of the young priests. I'd prefer... I despair, Ryan. I despair because young priests want to talk about sin. They want to wear vestments. They want to wear uh, black. They want to wear cassocks. 
And worst of all, they want to say the Latin mass. Right. They want I to say terrible. I despair that I'm losing. You know what? The boomers right. are losing. Goodbye, boomers. Yeah. No, they are. And, and that's why the, the clampdown has been so hard and so vicious to the point where there was a priest recently that was, uh, they, they refused, they told his bishop that he can't be a pastor because prior to Traditionis Custodes, jailers of the tradition, as I affectionately translate it, um, before that, he had said the the, uh, the traditional Latin mass. And as a result, Rome does not want him in any position of authority now that they have banned it. So he hasn't even been given time to comply. He's already marked, right? I mean, it tells you, and those are the people who are controlling. They have a malicious hatred of the tradition. Yes. They hate the tradition. They hate you. They hate me. They hate any of us. And they already hated us before we were even born when they made the conscious decision to do everything possible to prevent us from having the tradition, uh, from throwing the old books out, from kicking any anyone who was slightly traditional out of seminaries, from you know trying to you know ban everything possible and force in that '60s boomerism wherever you get. And it's funny they keep talking about oh we have to get with the times. Well, you first. What are the what are the what is the <laughs> celebration of the liturgy that most Catholics are subjected to in the Novus Ordo? It looks like the '60s. It feels like the '60s. It's garbage music that nobody can sing. It's this is the dawning of the, the age of Aquarius. Right. Age of Aquarius. No, more like gather us in oh, the no. rich and the hotty. Sing up the Lord goodness. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Oh man! You guys know these things better than me. How does that? <laughs> I will raise. Okay, you I know that one. Know that one. <laughs> we could sing Biden's favorite, and he will raise you up on, on eagles' wings. Oh, eagles' wings! I love eagles' wings. <laughs> I always say beagles' wings. He'll raise you up on eagles' wings. <laughs> the ears down. <laughs> You down. <laughs> Do not be afraid. I am with you. I have called you each by name. <laughs> Guys, can't we just sing Imagine by Mercy? I think there's a record in the works yeah. right here. <laughs> so, should we do should we do a rundown quartet? Yes or no? We should put that in the poll. With the healthy assistance of auto-tune, I think we could pull it out. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and right. I what are you talking about? I don't need auto-tune. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe we're singing Bogus Ordo stuff. How did we get here? <laughs>
Somebody took my COVID liturgy video and made it very dark. And uh, I'm okay with that because I don't want anyone to ever forget what they did to us. It hasn't even been two years since this, uh, since this uh, malaise has fallen upon society, Ryan. And we are now being told that it's making a comeback. And, uh, you know, you need to stay safe. Remember, remember when everyone would sign off on the phone or on their emails? Or, stay safe during these trying times. And every corporation uh, did the same exact uh, sort of song and dance with their, in these trying times, Chevrolet is here for you. You know, it's like, give me a freaking break. <laughs> Who gave them all these talking points? And why are the nurses dancing? Right, exactly. Well, the nurse is dancing. I think I even said at the time, it's like one of those in-your-face things. It's like, yeah, we're so crowded, but we got so much time to make these videos. I just hope they got their monkey dance or monkey pox dances already. Oh, um, I know who's got his monkey pox dance ready. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, there's an interesting thing that's starting to happen, though. I, I the the feeling I get, even in blue states, is that the COVID fatigue is set in. Nobody's you know, even there, no people are not, not going to really follow it. I mean, uh, it was just in Dallas, Dallas this year compared to Dallas last year, overnight different. I mean, complete difference. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to try to pull on that one so hard. The monkeypox, the, they've tried to create into a thing. It's kind of been a non-starter in terms of getting the pickup because, well, people saw pretty quickly. It's an STD. So it's not particularly, you know, worrying to most people, um, you know, except in, you know, a few areas where they, the, the real believers are really bought into that. So I, I think they're going to have to come up with something different. And you already see the pivoting, uh, the news articles that are now trying to blame exclusively Trump for Operation Warp Speed. Now, he absolutely does deserve the blame for that, by the way. And putting that out there and everything. And, and he's still, he's out there and he owns it now. Even now he goes to a rally. He'll mention to start to take credit for the greatest uh, jab in the history of jabs and how fast it came out and he gets booed and he'll take the boob, the booze, and he'll keep, you know, celebrating the, the, that. So, yeah. you know, but at the same time, 95% of government officials and the current administration, and it forced that thing on as many people as they could. So it's not as if they can do just just blame it all on Trump, but that's there. YouTube is actually allowing you to talk about side effects now. It's actually you you can do that suddenly. It's not misinformation anymore because they're pivoting to blame it all on Trump. Which again, you combine that with the Mar-a-Lago stuff and whatnot. I think they are pivoting to really try to corral everyone toward Trump. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And and the fact of the matter is, is that we we on the rundown were amongst the first, the few, the, the only people who were willing to blame Trump for Operation mm -hmm. Warp Speed. Early on, we were all against it. We talked about it on a regular basis. We took a lot of heat for it and we took the booze, too. And we said, well, you know, you can boo us, but that doesn't make us wrong. Um, the, you know, the problem is, though, is you, you start to get to this point where, you know, who can really turn it around, Gaspers? And I, I'm going to play a quick video. You know, when you have someone, even like an outsider or someone who seems to be an outsider, let's say, like a Trump, like a DeSantis, are they really outsiders? We could debate that. Probably not, but maybe they are. Who knows? Uh, but even if you get someone who wants to disassemble the system, let's say, from within, Look what happens to them. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic 
and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. I actually saw where he was shot, by the way, last week. Yeah, the couple that I uh, was staying with, they took me out to see the spot. First time I've seen it, actually, because they, they mark it with an X on that particular freeway. So, not saying Kennedy is a saint either, to Brother Martin's point. He did go to confession. We have hope for him. He was ostensibly Catholic, even though he was a fallen man. One of the things he wanted to do, though, Gasper, is he wanted to uh, take on the central bank, take on you know the central intelligence, take on the industrial military complex. And look what happened to him. Now you you apply that to Trump. Let's just assume for a second that Trump really is an outsider. Let's assume that he that he really was trying to take on the swamp. He was wrong on, on warp speed. He was wrong on the alphabet people. And he's wrong on uh, quite a number of things. But let's just assume that uh, by and large, he's not part of the plan. They're going to take him out. They're going to prevent him from running. They're going to jail him. I mean, like, what do we like? What do we do? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer exactly. Um, I think ultimately, if you know, if God wants him to do something similar, you know, similar to like a Constantine kind of figure, and Constantine, for anyone who's written, uh, read about his life, he certainly wasn't really a, a saintly man either for most of his life. Um, but if God wants to use him in that capacity, then then God will do so. And, you know, no one will be able to stand in, in the way. Um, but he's, it's a very obviously a very daunting task if that is what he's called to do. Mm-hmm. And we need to be praying for him. You know, I think I remember hearing, uh, I think this was confirmed that um, one of the first things he did in the White House, President Trump, he actually brought in a priest to exercise the building. And I, there's, I've seen photos of the priest who did it. He actually gave President Trump a statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, you know, President Trump uh, to the, I forget if it's a shrine or some, some sort of memorial to John Paul II in Washington, D.C. And then Cardinal Gregory made a stink about it or something like that. I forget yeah. exactly all the details. But, you know, for, for all his faults, and I'm sure he has many, uh, probably that we don't necessarily see or hear about. Um, but 
as I said, if, if God wants to use him in that capacity, if he's open to that, uh, to those graces, and we need to pray that he is, you know, who knows what he might be able to do. I think God has certainly worked with imperfect instruments in the past. He certainly uh, worked through, you know, um, non-Jewish pagan kings in the, in the Old Testament to bring him, to, you know, to as a vessel to bring about his his will to use for his purposes. So it's certainly possible. Um, we'll see what happens. We really need to work on our diversity quota tonight. So we welcome back Adrian to the show. A uh, little bit more pigmentation in 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 the Fab Five now. Thanks for joining us. Should we just vote harder? Is that what we need to do, Adrian? Just just make sure that you show up and vote. And and darn it, we're gonna take back the house this this midterm. Oh yeah, definitely vote vote. I'm I'm gonna vote twice actually. I'm gonna vote two times. Uh, just because I'm that democratic, I, I support the Democrats <laughs> that much. I was thinking about voting three times, but I figured twice would be sufficient. But no, of course not. The voting, uh, if you want to vote, praise be to God, that's uh, your uh, right uh, and or duty, depending on your opinion. But the uh, ultimately, this is a this is going to come down to a spiritual warfare. We have to convert people. And more importantly, we should convert the people that are in office currently. The problem with our current system, though, as soon as we convert those guys, they then leave office and they've got to convert the next people who get put in. So I mean, that's the downside of our current political system. Wait, but, are you opposed to term limits? Are you a lifetime appointee kind of guy? Um, uh, Well, you know, it depends on the circumstance, but I would consider myself pro-monarchy, but the current system that we're in. Eh, not the not the greatest uh, not the greatest system where I'd want to have these individuals as lifetime appointments, but I'm not opposed to it intrinsically. Okay, all right. You 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 brought up the M word. We're gonna have to go there. I guess we're gonna have to go there. Ryan, let's start with you. Wait a minute. I thought this was a crypto Catholic nation. Am I missing something? I th- you you didn't do your kickflip correctly earlier off camera. <laughs> And so I'm not sure if you have any credibility here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I apologize. I forgot. We're already a uh, integralist nation. It's, we're already uh, yeah, we're already based. Look, our president is Catholic. Our speaker of the house is Catholic. Both of them are co- coherent too. Uh, Ryan, vote our way out of this. Mm, prospects of that going forward. I think going forward, the only thing we can hope to influence and affect are local elections, local offices, county sheriffs. All those are extremely important to have the right people in. And so I think what you can do there, and those still won't be perfect, but at least you can limit the evil. And that's one of the best things you can do. Um, in, in, For example, in, uh, in uh, super not very based Canada, in uh, Trudeau land um, right now, in uh, Saskatchewan province, if, uh, you know, the federal government sending in people, the Canadian uh, government sending in inspectors to test the nitrogen levels in farms, which, of course, is going to be their next thing for shutting down farms because you're contributing to uh, climate change. And so the, the local cops and the local politicians are telling them to get to get lost, telling them they will arrest federal officers coming in there. Now, eventually, they'll they'll push their way through, probably. But at least, you know, it's something to get you more breathing room to get, uh, you know, all, all set up. So in the same thing here, there's counties where there's sheriffs who have, in fact, 
arrested federal agents for harassing people over stupid, you know, nonsense. And, and that's something that can, you know, happen go forward. So going forward. So I think that at the very least your local stuff, you can limit the evil. Anything that takes place in DC, I think is lost. There's really no point to, to it or even paying, you know, any kind of lip service to DC. That's just kind of my view on it. Let's go to uh brother Martin. Who's not woke brother, Martin Bonesaw. Oh, <laughs> you changed my name. I see that. <laughs> uh, yes, Martin. Uh, yeah, monarchy rules. Uh, going, going real quick because I wrote, while I was watching this Bishop Barron interview, I just wrote down something that just struck me on the head. Um, when Shia, of course, was sharing how he was pro TLM, all that kind of stuff. Bishop Barron says to him, "Yeah, oh yeah, we have all these charismas in the Catholic Church and spirituality. Whatever door works for you, come on in." Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, this is this is post Tradiciones Custodes. Whatever <laughs> door works for you, come on in. I'm here ten years as a religious and got kicked out of communities for playing the traditional breviary in my bedroom. Whatever door works for you, come on in. Okay, whatever. That's I'm off my high horse now. So, BX Martin, what is this? <laughs> Latinx. You're, you're supposed <laughs> to tell us that that our votes all count for one vote one count in this country it's all legitimate there no there were no hacks it was uh, and you just need to get over it and accept the fact that a man with alzheimer's disease from his basement garnered 80 million votes you're just supposed to believe that and (laughs) if you don't believe that you're racist on twitter last week there was people sharing photos of uh their their pistols and their rosaries i like that (laughs) (sighs) all right let's go to our let's go to our last story tonight uh it's skynet it's did we just see that's fake we we are witnessing uh the the chinese don't have to here's the thing ladies and gentlemen the chinese don't have to get assembled battalions of little chinamen put them (laughs) put them into into units and into landing boats and sail across the pacific ocean and bombard our the, the Pacific coastline, you know, like in Oregon or something to prepare they can, they can for landing and, and then and then land the ships there and then have all the little Chinamen come off the ships <laughs> so they can take over the United States. They don't have to do that, ladies and gentlemen. That is that we're not we're not gonna have an amphibious landing of a million people. There's no D-Day ever again. D-Day is is going to be us against the machines, Ryan. I'm gonna send him to outer space to find another race. 
I've been waiting like seven weeks too. Like Tucker had this thing about AI and it's a really cool segment. And I just feel like I need to get this video played so I can delete it off of our list here. Well, here's a story that's not getting a lot of attention. So many are not getting any attention, even though this story has the potential to transform life on earth forever. So Google, the most powerful company in the world, has reportedly developed an artificially intelligent machine called Lambda. And that machine has become sentient, meaning it has become aware of itself, something that no machine has ever done. And we know this because of an engineer at Google called Blake Lemoyne. Lemoyne posted some of his conversations with Lambda publicly. One of those conversations went like this. Lemoyne, would you be upset if while learning about you for the purpose of improving you, we happened to learn things which also benefited humans? Lambda, quote, I don't mind if you learn things that would also help humans as long as that wasn't the point of doing it. I don't want to be an expendable tool. Think about that for a minute. A machine that has a sense of itself. What are the implications? Well, Google didn't want to talk about it in public. In fact, the company put Blake Lemoyne on administrative leave earlier this month because he spoke openly about it. We are grateful to have him join us tonight. Blake, thanks so much for coming on. Okay, we're taking the sweatshirt guy off, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say the story got a lot less serious when he came. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I was two seconds too slow to click him off. Two seconds too slow. But but we've come a long way, haven't we? In your frigidaire cold pantry, there's a place for all your food, fresh and frozen, canned, bottled and wrapped, new bought and leftover. They're all right there, and they're all at your fingertips. Let's start with the most ingenious door in any refrigerator. It has special places for bottles, spreadable butter, cheeses, even leftovers, and a big picture window hydrator for fruits and vegetables. It tilts down to show you your supply at a glance. And it also lifts out, so you can take it over to the sink when there's a fresh supply to be washed and put away. But that's just the door. Think of all you can store in here on these big, firm shelves that roll all the way up to you so you can get at the food in back without moving anything in front. And how about your frozen things? Oh, yes, there's a place for them, too, in this big, big food freezer. Even your ice cubes have a special place for storage, right here. And watch how they get there. You just take out a tray, Turn it over and push. You get a shower of ice cubes all frosty dry and ready to use. See all the wonderful ideas in this Frigidaire cold pantry at your own Frigidaire dealers. I, I think wow. Frigidaire, I is the, Frigidaire is the only tech company that's actually gone backwards. Yeah. You buy a Frigidaire fridge today, it doesn't have those features. No, <laughs> the trays don't roll out, so you could you know get whatever you want without having to put your heart on it. But that exercise. old one is probably probably still works now. Whereas you buy a uh, you know two thousand dollar refrigerator now, it's going to be junk in about three years. Exactly. Yeah. So we're at a point. So let's let's tie the three things together here. We have AI technology that's being leveraged in big tech. Mm -hmm. that is spying on us that is now being leveraged into robotics and it's predictive analytics. It's, it's big pharma, it's big biotech, it's big uh, weapons, defense, space, aerospace. And the question is like, can any of this be stopped? And my contention continues to be that not only can it not be stopped, 
but anyone who claims that they can stop it or gives you the illusion that they're going to oppose it, they're just tools to give you a false hope, either they're wittingly or unwittingly part of the system. Let's 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 all react to that and then we'll get to our uh, final segment, Ryan. I 100% agree with that. The um the robotics business, I mean, it's going to keep going. I, I think the only way that that gets stopped and we get saved from that is God does something that destroys the infrastructure or the technology that, that allows that to work. That's the only way I can see. It's, it's far too ingrained. That video we saw of the robot shooting all its targets perfectly while being challenged by, by people in the sides and knocking them over and hitting it, um, that is actually, you know, gets you scared. Oh, wow, look at that with the gun. But there's video of the similar types of things, you know, the robot walking around, getting knocked over, getting back up, goes back to the sixties, actually. Um, it's not a brand new thing. It's just, these are things that have been worked on for a long time. And again, it's this incestuous relationship of government and Silicon Valley, which is an old relationship. Uh, nothing has ever gotten the front in Silicon Valley. It wasn't originally a military contract. All the major tech startups uh, you know, basically got funds from the government, from the military, from DARPA. It was never a case of just great free private enterprise, you know, similar thing with uh, the great story of, you know, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. <clears throat> they were both people chosen to be in those positions by entities that had already developed a lot of this technology. And now we're going to, you know, sell a form of it to the public. But that's always the, the way that this type of stuff happened. Um, you can watch, there's a really good documentary if you want to watch to learn more about these types of things, uh, James Corbett's uh, Secrets of Silicon Valley. I do recommend it. But, you know, that's, that's the reality. And there's one more thing. They're not afraid to dupe you either, to lie to you about what the technology can do. Yep. So, for example, the idea of an AI being self-aware, that it, it's actually, I mean, it's metaphysically impossible. Right. It, it, to be truly self-aware requires an immortal soul created in God's image and likeness, which we have and the angels have. All right. And, and so machines can mimic certain things to a certain point. But you got to remember, at the end of the day, a machine is still ones and zeros, no matter how advanced the AI is. The AI cannot tell that you are lying. They can make you believe it can. And that's another tool to scare you and, and to get compliance. Oh, see, the AI can tell you're lying. Right. No, it can't. The AI does what it's programmed to do, but it'll be interesting when they start bringing these things into court sessions. Oh yeah, see, the AI is never wrong. It says you're guilty, but I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. The algorithm's already decided. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, Gaspers, what do we do? Big tech is against us. So There's a convergence of all these technologies. Nanotech, biotech, mRNA. I mean, what do we do? Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you and Ryan that it's pretty trying to bring it all down aside from divine intervention, I think is, is pretty much impossible at this point. Um, and I mean, with all this robotic stuff, essentially it's like, isn't this basically transhumanism? Isn't that what they're going for? Like a synthesis of humans and machines. And I mean, that's Klaus Schwab goes on and on about that. That's a big part of the world economic forum, great reset, fourth industrial revolution, all that stuff. Um, and I think I forget the guy's name, but he has a a I don't know what country he comes from. For some reason, I'm thinking he might be an Israeli scientist who talks about, you know, God, the idea no, of Ferrari. God is going to. Sorry, no, go ahead. Ferrari is his yeah, name. yeah. That, you know, the, the whole notion of God is going to be um, 
become obsolete and the, the idea of having a soul and all that kind of stuff. So I think what Adrian said uh, in regard to the elections is the same here, that it's a spiritual battle. Certain things are going to happen. You know, our, our mutual friend, Dr. Taylor Marshall, has a book coming out uh, called, uh, what is it, Antichrist and Apocalypse. And it's the teach, you know, it's a collection basically of the teachings of the church fathers, doctors, saints, and popes throughout history. I'm looking forward to reading it. And he said, I mean, he does say that it's not like focused on the end times per se, but it's about what, you know, what the church, the consensus of the doctors, theologians, et cetera, on what the Antichrist, who he will be, what he will do. You know, we have to accept the fact that there are some things that God, uh, in his permissive will has said this, you know, I'm going to let this happen and this is going to happen. Uh, so the element of prophecy, I think we're seeing unfold. Maybe you guys can can run with that, see what you think about that. But I, there are things coming. I mean, just like with the mark of the beast in the, the book of the apocalypse, that uh, certainly seems to be coming to fruition in, in various different ways. Like Ryan was talking earlier about uh, farms getting shut down if you don't go along with the program and not being, you know, get trying to get rid of our cars, transportation. I mean, all of, basically it's it all implies a one world government, uh, mm -hmm. just like you played in the beginning clip with that Alex Jones uh, mm -hmm. talking about one world government stuff. So it's it's going to happen at some point. Brother Martin, the Internet of Things, inanimate objects, connected devices. How many things are listening to us? How many things are surveilling us, collecting data on us? How many things are talking to each other and perhaps collaborating with each other against us? Um, how many, how many, the facial recognition software that is out there on all the cameras, traffic lights, airports, public uh, squares, talking to our phones, talking to our vehicles, talking to our appliances. We go out of our way to purchase things like Alexas and whatever else that are that we know are listening to every syllable that we say um, at a certain point, how can we have any hope at all that from a practical point of view, like, you know, we can overcome this mountain of technology that is against us. First of all, well, first of all, never take your phone into a confessional. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. <laughs> uh, there's some people that do it, just have, leave it in their pockets or whatever. You know, and uh, yeah, that's dumb. But um, as Ryan was saying, is that AI does what it's programmed to do. So these devices collect information, they collect data is what they do. They, they can't understand anything because understanding requires uh, the ability to grasp concepts, which concepts are universals. And because uh, mechanical objects, um, artificial intelligence because it's made out of just merely finite things it doesn't have a, an immaterial soul uh it can't it doesn't have the capacity to understand things that are universal only things that are particular so it in what in one sense it, it they're right in calling it sentient in in the in the sense that there there are three types of souls there's the vegetative soul the sentient soul which is animals and then the rational soul um but we know that animals aren't self-aware and so um that sweatshirt well, sweatshirt wearing guy was was wrong and 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 saying that sentient um, AI is sentient and therefore self-aware. No, that's sentient is one thing and, and rational is another. So it's two different things. And so Ryan was, of course, right saying it's metaphysically impossible for AI uh, to be able to 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 understand 
um, and to be self-aware precisely uh, for that reason. Um, but also, well, I kind of put all, all, all the points that I, I made in one, um, but it, it's, it's really just man trying to play God and trying to recreate a human being and trying to create something that is just like a human being, except even, even better. Um, but it's, it's just impossible. They're just, they're lying to themselves and, and scaring people because of people's sci-fi entertainment. Um, but also, I mean, wish we had James here, he shared, he shared something on Twitter, um, that was actually that video, but also says this is a lie in the sense that, 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 uh, robot was actually a human being with, the the technology on, and he did all the movements, and then later on they just superimposed the robot because in copying this guy's movements, and so even even the video was fake. Um, but also, I guess also if AI is programmed, say let's say the AI is programmed to shoot a human being, <laughs> how how can we escape AI's pro- being programmed to shoot a human being? It's quite simple. You dress like a cow. You dress like a lobster. Dress like <laughs> something else. That, that the AI can't recognize as a human being and you escape it. It's, it's that simple. Um, so you have, we have to take all those things in, in, into account that, that the AI can't reason. They can't look and say, oh, that's a human being dressed as a turtle. Uh, because all it, all it has is the inf- information, the data that it gathers. It can't reason with that data. I know a guy who might dress as a monkey to get out of a little bit of pain. All right. Hey, Adrian. <laughs> um, Adrian, you come at us five days a week on the radio uh the terrestrial radio old school radio am fm type stuff that's low tech compared to how uh how we're operating these days yes sir how long how long is the as the old school radio look california only electric cars after 2035 are they even going to pick up like radio are they going to have radio antennae or not no no they won't they're phasing out radio radio is not going to be around for much longer and we saw nicaragua uh, catholic radio getting shut down so that's a great sign for catholic radio in america uh their catholic radio show was torn down the people were arrested so that's not good and i did like what brother martin said a second ago because that video like i was saying it's, it's, it's a fake video the group corridor crew made it as a joke uh, uh parroting um Boston Dynamic videos, which that is real technology is very similar, but we're not quite there yet, but we're definitely getting that direction. And we've also done, like like you said, we do five days a week interviews all the time. So we've hit a lot of these transgender and transhuman issues, which people need to realize that this is the next step of transgenderism. Like we've skipped over transracialism, uh, but we, this has always been headed towards transhumanism where we can escape who we are as persons and move to technology. Because all that people want, they want to live forever because they know they're going to end up in hell. And they know that if they die, they're going to end up there. So they want to live forever. So that's what this is for. This is all what that's headed toward. But yeah, terrestrial radio, it's not going to be around for much longer. They're going to, like you said, they're going to phase out of cars. And when it's a phase out of cars, that's the vast majority of the market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many people have uh, have the antenna uh, at home? Speaking of people who are going to die and go to hell, and therefore they want to live forever. So CNN's anchor, Jake Tapper, just shared an article that said, quote, Dr. Oz can outwork and defeat John Fetterman. And just this morning, Jake Tapper said Donald Trump has a, quote, fairly good shot at prevailing in 
court. Just last week, Jake Tapper retweeted Jared Kushner's new book of lies, promoting his book to all of his million followers. Jake Tapper has lost all journalistic integrity and he's lost all credibility and respect. Shame on you, Jake Tapper, for siding with the MAGAs in a time where we need to unite to defeat fascism. Okay, so wow. if Jake Tapper and CNN are too conservative for that demographic, uh, are we we can't can, can we do a civil war segment? No, we can't do it. We don't have time for a civil war segment. What's holding society together, Ryan? Twenty second lightning round. Twenty seconds. All right, I'm timing you, people. Ryan, twenty seconds, lightning round. Society pulling apart. Are we headed to war? <clears throat> We're heading for some kind of something like a war. It won't be like a civil war. It'll be sporadic acts of violence in various places as people try to do, like The Purge, right? The movie series The Purge. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what we're going to get. Okay. Ryan says The Purge. Gaspers, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, it, it can't go on like this much longer. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like exactly. I think, I think it's very good advice to get out of big cities now and move to smaller communities. I think that's something we can all agree on. It's not going to be safe in the big cities for sure. Fonseca, are we going to have full-scale civil war with like two main armies lined up against each other? He declined to answer the question. Wilson, Brother Martin? <laughs> As I was saying earlier in the show, no, I don't think so because I think the conservative side is too weak and too individualistic. So they, they have no spine. They're not going to fight back. Exactly. Not together. Yeah. Um, I sort of think Ryan is right. I think it's going to be patchy. Um, and the best we can hope for as an outcome is vulcanization. Adrian, you with us now? Do you want to weigh in on civil war before we get to the unpopular opinions? He's just chilling. You're just eye candy. That's all he is. <laughs> We're going to put you on mute there, buddy. There's a diversity quota. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, uh, guys, we got to do the unpopular opinions. Gaspers, you're no stranger to this, so I'm not going to have any mercy on you. I hope you prepared a really good one. Ryan, you're going first. What's your unpopular opinion this week, sir? Okay. So my unpopular opinion, I was reading through some old literature and it's tough to be, you know, training for, for girls and young girls. And it was, um, a story about a, a woman who was not Catholic and, and she had an opportunity to marry a guy who was kind of, you know, was secure, had a job, but he wasn't that interesting. And then there is this very suave, smooth character that uh, she decided to marry. And then he finds out that he's basically a gambler and a drinker and he ended up being a horrible husband. And through the process, and he just picks up and leaves one day. And through the, the horrors of this process, she's gradually been becoming Catholic. She decided at a certain point she was going to stick with him in spite of how bad he was, uh, basically let her child die. And still she said, well, it's my husband. I mean, I've got to try to stick with him. Right. And, and in that process, she becomes Catholic. Becoming Catholic is the trigger. The guy just takes off and leaves. So she goes back and, and she you know, decides she's going to spend her life in prayer and suffering uh, for his soul. Well, I was thinking about that. Modern women, including some trad women, but in general, modern women would absolutely hate, modern Catholic women would hate this story. 
and any stories like it. Modern women have the expectation, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. You should go get an annulment. You should go be happy with yourself and, and, you know, get up, get a second chance, you know, to do, do it all, you know, do this over again. If, you know, if I published a book like that, I would have so much hate from that quarter, but also from certain quarters of trad women too. Um, most divorces in this country, and I hate, hate divorce with a passion, especially no fault civil divorce, you know, unless, and I got it, we got to do the exceptions because there's always somebody that'll get offended in thinking that I'm talking about them personally. I'm not. Obviously, yeah, your husband's beating you if he's drunk or vice versa, or there's grave immorality, dishonoring the, the, the bed, but, you know, by infidelities and such like that, introducing immorality to the home, to the children. Yeah, those are all legit reasons to separate. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who just decide, well, it's not working. I got to do something else. There's a large segment of Catholic women and even some trad Catholic women that would say, yes, you need to do that. So my unpopular opinion is the Jezebel spirit is very powerful in the church, even amongst trad women who would look at what traditionally might be held, or you look at a saint like Elizabeth Canori Mora, who spent her life praying for her husband, who was very dis, uh, dissolute. Oh, no, she should never put up with that. You should just go get divorced and annulled. And, and the, that the, the immediate move to annulment and everything, that is the Jezebel spirit, rather than suffering and praying for the conversion of the wayward spouse. Brother Martin. I'll go with my original one because Ryan Ryan's is pretty good. You could stem off in all sorts of directions with unpopular opinions regarding that, but I think we'll just continue with uh, <laughs> giving unpopular opinions about women. Uh, Shia LaBeouf in his interview, um, he was talking with Bishop Barron, and Bishop Barron asked him if there was anything that the that his experience with the Franciscan Friars taught him about how Padre Pio administered confessions, and Shia LaBeouf said, "Oh yeah, of course. There was a story that they told me." that uh, when he was in the confessional one time, he had this intuition, this sense that there was a woman in line, a particular woman in line um, that was showing her ankles. And considering that immodest, he had her sent away. And so considering this, that this is a, a canonized saint in the church, and this is a story that we, just, we all know about him. It's written in biographies about him. Um, my unpopular opinion is that whether it be Novus Ordo, FSSP, Dials and uh, TLM, SSPX, or set of a contest. I think women, and additionally also men, um, regarding shorts, are 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 extremely, extremely, almost damningly failing in the standards of modesty. And I say this myself. Obviously, in summer, my my thermometer in my room right now says it's eighty three degrees. Um, wearing a full cassock, pants, shirt everything um not launching a complaint but just saying it's like when, when a lot of people cl uh complain about uh it being too hot so they have to wear something up to their knees or short sleeves all this kind of stuff um sometimes i get the sense that i have to be pastoral and say oh yeah you're suffering so bad meanwhile i'm wearing this polyester outfit um <laughs> you know with, with pants on underneath so but I'm brother, gonna, Phoenix, Arizona, is so hot. Florida's so hot. I've been, I've been both in Phoenix and I've been both in Florida wearing this exact same outfit, and I survived. I'm alive. So <laughs> I'm just gonna go with Padre Pio on this one, lay down the law, and be like, guys, let's step it up. Let's step up our game, modesty. Whew. All right, Gaspers, you're up. Uh, I must confess, I had forgotten about this part of the show. 
uh, and I did not prepare all that well, but there was something that came. I don't know if I, I'm, I'm still, yeah, <laughs> I'm still deciding what my opinion is on this, but I'll bring it up. It also has to do with the uh, Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf and the new movie. So there, I don't know if you guys have seen a clip yet, but it's I, maybe it was released today. I've seen it on, on social media where this woman, uh, it's a scene from the movie, I guess, released by the, the movie company whatever and she's saying you know contemptuously saying to padre pio um i don't know if there's a hell and he says you know oh you don't know well you'll know when you get there and he gets really upset i there there's not much context to it but he's basically just telling her to get out um, and telling her to say christ is lord say it but he drops an f-bomb in in the scene and I'm just wondering. Does he actually do it? I was told that he that he didn't. Well, I've seen the footage. I mean, I have it on. I, I mm-hmm. it came up on my uh, my Twitter feed, and he it does it is Shia LaBeouf as Padre Pio dropping the f bomb. So unless there's something, wow. if unless that footage is not was not supposed to be released, or I don't, if maybe it was doctored. I don't know, but it is out there. So I don't know. I mean, in scripture, we are told, you know not to uh i forget the exact quote from i think it's in ephesians chapter four or five about you know using our language to edify not using essentially not using vulgar language i don't know if if padre pio actually would have said that word um and i so i i really don't have an opinion i'm i don't know if i i mean my inclination would be that's probably was not a good thing to put into the movie i don't know i don't know what do you guys think yeah, you're probably right. Hollywood. Uh, okay, my uh, unpopular opinion. Oh, it just eluded me. Where did it go? It was there. It was here. And it was good. Well, let's talk about economics anyway. Uh, oh, no, no, no I, it came back to me. So everyone right now is so focused on who's going to run, who's going to save us. Is it going to be Ron? Is it DeSantis? Is it some? Is it this this lady in uh, Arizona? Is it going to be Trump again? What are you gay? It's kind of what I think, right? And and the the question is is that the, the question behind the question is or the the presupposition behind the question is that there will be some secular politician that will be so good that he will dig us out of this mess. And what it really is, is a longing for a hero. And this is why I think in secular media, the, the semi-hero, but really anti-hero stories like the Marvels and the Star Wars and all that are really popular because people are desperate for leadership. They're starved for leadership. They're desperate for a hero. And everyone's sort of hero radar seems to be constantly on the lookout for anyone that exhibits any of the qualities of leadership, which even those they're seeing them through uh, the eyes of modernism. So they're not even really objectively looking for real qualities of leadership, just someone who's going to troll the other side and make them uh, feel good uh, about it. My unpopular opinion is that not only should we not be actively seeking a hero, either ecclesiastically or in secular life, but we should be resigned to the fact 
that we are going to have to go it alone. That is our lot. It has been the lot of, of humans for quite some time, of Catholics, of Christians. We, uh, it's, it's only in the rare periods, really, of history do we have, like yesterday we celebrated the Feast of King St. Louis IX. There, I mean, how many, how many kingly saints are there, right? There aren't that many. It's a handful, uh, maybe a couple handfuls. So it is the exception and not the rule. I like Catholic monarchy. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think it's a good system. That doesn't mean that you're going to have a bad, not going to have a bad Catholic monarch. Look at Francis Bergoglio, right? Uh, look at, look at uh, Rip, uh, uh, Ratzinger. So these are monarchs as well, and they kind of stink. So here's, here's the, the, the point is, is that this desperately clinging for, to someone, hoping that Father Ripperger is going to save us, or that Cardinal Burke is going to save us, or that Donald Trump is going to save us, or Vigano is going to save us, or Taylor Marshall is going to save us. I've heard all of these things, and some of us are, some of you are guilty of those things. The fact of the matter is, we're not getting, we're not, we're not deserving of those leaders, and we're not getting any of those leaders. And what we shouldn't think ourselves worthy of those leaders. And we need to go ahead and dispense with the idea that there is going to be some magnificent leader riding in on a white horse who's going to save us from ourselves. Because the fact of the matter is, as we've proven to you in these last two hours on this rundown, the deck, the deck is so stacked against us. I don't know what else to say about it, guys. But we have... It's time for the Shameless Prophet segment! Oh, that's right. First, um, I want to thank everybody in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area who came to uh, my series of talks at Modern Day. It was a great time. Uh, I want to especially thank um, the couple who host it, uh, who host me when I'm down there, uh, which spares the parish uh, the expense of a hotel and, and affords uh, polite and delightful company. So I want to thank you there. And, and everybody who came, I got to meet Rick Barrett, the armed Catholic, he drove up a couple hours from where he lives in order to attend uh, all of it, all of me uh, blabbing and uh, the metal seats enduring uh, your post their posteriors to feeling. And so a good number of people bought books. It was it was an excellent weekend. I met, got to meet a lot of great people, some rundown listeners. It's one thing. Actually, whenever I travel, um, it's always the type of thing like, oh, I know you. I see you on the rundown. And so it even outside of the conference at mass on Sunday, as I was getting coffee, I kept running into people. Oh, I see you on the rundown. I met um, a fellow who follows me on Twitter, gave me a couple of very nice cigars. Thank you, John. I do appreciate that. Um, both were excellent. So thank you. Um, so I just wanted to put that to that note of the gratitude and thank, uh, thankfulness out there. And also Father Bachnick, the pastor there who, who uh, invited me in. And, uh, you know, and so much and I, you know, hope to be down there again. It was a great conference. I'm going to be trying to do some video things. Uh, I'm gradually learning how to do video as I go along at a snail's pace. And so it's going to have finally have some decent stuff coming up on my um, subscriber site in terms of video. And we're going to, you know, try to do some things also, um, you know, on my own channel when I get it started. You'll know about that. So anyway, so what am I shamelessly profiteering? St. Alphonsus Liguori for every day. Great little book, great little devotional book. It's handy. It's small. 
It's only five by eight, easy to stick it in your purse, easy to kind of take, put on top of another prayer book. Uh, great meditations for every month of the year. Um, nice little book. And then since uh, it's kind of goes together with my unpop, I mentioned her, Blessed Elizabeth Canori Mora. Um, a 19th century Italian saint. She was also, um, I believe she also had uh, mystical revelations um, time to time. And so it's, it's a really great book on her spirituality, her persevering in a very difficult marriage, a marriage that today um, you would have many Catholics telling you, oh, no, no, you need to get out and divorce him. Then, so my conference was on the English Reformation, especially St. John Fisher. I have some leftover books that uh you know available so if you want to know this one got a little bent in the suitcase i won't send you this one but um saint to the full life of saint john fisher it's the only one in print um by reynolds if you want to know you know it, you know about john fisher's life a really good solid in-depth biography from the sources like you'd expect from any historical um you know biography on a historical figure but with the light of catholic faith also then you know this this is a great book and a uh, smaller one more hagiographical but no less fact-based is uh father vincent mcnab okay and so you know great this is an easy read you could read this in about a day day and a half and lastly if you want to know more on saint thomas more's life um man for all seasons is a great movie but it is based on a book which is historical fiction just to try to draw the character of more out this is more to it if you want a historical work um and so I've got a bunch of, you know, these Fisher and Moore books uh, left over. So, and then plus new books. And I always have newer stuff coming around, uh, mediatrexpress.com. Uh, book club this month is Sermons of the Curie of Ours. Because I was traveling, I didn't update the website. So a bunch of people got the notification for uh, last month's book. And don't worry about it. Sermons of the Curie of Ours, it it's, hasn't gotten here yet, but when it gets here, it's going to ship out to you. So. <laughs> Okay, so first grift is, uh, as you know, we're Augustinians, all days of St. Augustine, and this Sunday is uh, the feast of the, of the of St. Augustine, which for us trumps the, even the Sunday. It'll be a proper last gospel as per uh, traditional pre-55 rubrics. Um, so please pray for us. Keep us in your prayers. Also, um, I wanted to shamelessly grift uh, someone who I, I've kind of gotten to know over Twitter. His name is Victor Mendoza. He does a lot of this cool leatherworking stuff. Um, I had a tweet this week that someone went viral over the Bishop uh, Baron stuff, and he kind of ripped the the clip of the video. Um, but he, he's, I mean, Mexican and trad and Texan, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I just wanted to put his stuff out there, his his website. Um, let me throw that over in the – You can see it now, live. right? You, oh, you can? Wait, can can you? you? I shared the screen. Can you see it? No. So I'll just, I'll just drop it in the live chat right there. It's Men Mendoza leathercraft.square.site. So if you're looking for uh, something cool, go check it out. He's got book covers. He's got belts, hats, uh, rosary. Uh, I get rosary bags. I forget what you call those. So your rosary doesn't break, as is our, our common problem. Um, looks like tactical patches up for hats and, and stuff like that, or your passport book even. Um, so go check out his, his site at Men Mendoza leathercraft.square.site. Muted. Oh, you're muted, sir. We can't hear you. 
There we go. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on with you tonight. It was uh, a joy as always. And uh, just encourage your viewers to check out our, our website, catholicfamilynews.com. And, you know, if you enjoy the content we make available for free on our website and our, our YouTube channel, please subscribe to that. We're, we'd really love to get up get our numbers up on there. I think we're sitting at around, I don't know, 7,800 or something. So if help us get to the, to the next mark, like 8,000 or something, that'd be great. Um, but if you enjoy our, our free content available online, please consider subscribing to Catholic Family News. Uh, click on the new subscription tab right there on the homepage that's on the screen now. And that'll give you details how to do that. Uh, for anyone who might be near Peoria, Illinois, at the end of September, I will be speaking at the first annual National March for Catholics. I'll be speaking on September 29th. Uh, the, the march is actually going to take place on the 30th. I'll be there for both days. Uh, and then I will be flying on the afternoon of the 30th over to Pittsburgh to attend the Catholic Identity Conference. So hopefully I'll get to meet some of the, the folks watching right now at that conference. Mediatrics Press will also be at the uh, Catholic Identity Conference. Oh, very good. So if you want to, if you haven't signed up for the conference yet, you can visit their website, which is Catholic Identity Conference, all one word. I think it's .org. Let me plug it in just to, yeah, it's CatholicIdentityConference.org. And the conference is uh, Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I do believe there's still some spots available. You'll have to check out at the website. Guys, this is another successful rundown. And I leave you for your outro with someone who was a wise, wise lady. I am so tired of you liberal church in America. And everything you've ever done has gone in silence. Nothing, nothing you've done, from your witchcraft to your enneagrams to your centering prayer, to all this earth spirituality, to replacing holy water with sand, to destroying our churches and closing churches that are viable and, and ready to go. No, this is not an accident. And we've swallowed this now for 30 years. And I'm tired of it. We have swallowed enough of your idea of God. And you have really no God. You have no dogma, no doctrine, and no authority. Because the only authority in the Catholic Church is our Holy Father and the Magisterium. And you have disclaimed that. You don't believe in the Eucharist. You don't believe in the Immaculate Conception. You don't believe in the Virgin Birth. You don't believe in Mary's power of intercession. You don't believe in religious life. You don't believe in being a spouse of Christ. You do believe in teaching to little children of the third grade sex education. You do believe in forcing centering prayer and forcing inclusive language upon us. And now you depict Jesus as a woman. You're sick. But I admit you have a right to your ways. You have a right to think your thoughts. You have a right before God and this nation to do what you do, 
but I resent you trying to destroy the Catholicity of the simple and the poor and the elderly by your ways. I know I'm not going to accept that. <laughs>